I'm Lauren Sterling, and this is Ordinary Grit, the podcast where I talk to ordinary people who have overcome and are doing amazing things because your story has power. Okay, so you said you wanted to hear it, so here it is. This next guest is me. It is my story, and it is just the beginning, and we're going to do mine in some in some segments, but this is the fun stuff. This is the very beginning of my late husband and I starting to be friends and dating and our love story, and it, it was so, so fun. And I just want to say that my story is not any better or more exciting than anybody else's. What it did for me, though, was make me realize the power in our story and in God using it. And really, it's what made me want to be a part of Ordinary Grit and allow other people to share their stories, too. The the verse and the idea that the enemy is defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And Jesus did the, the blood of the Lamb part. Jesus, Jesus conquered that. And the word of our testimony is my part. It's the little part I can play in putting the enemy in his place in allowing God to use me and be a part of me, me get to be a part of something so much bigger than myself. And so I'm super, super grateful for my story. My story has some, some hard parts in it and it's not over. Your story is not over either, but this is the fun part. So this is the very beginning. And I just, I'm so excited to get to share some of the goofy, vulnerable, mildly embarrassing parts of dating and getting to know Scott Sterling. So Anyway, I hope you have a great time. I hope it's so fun for you. I would love to hear your questions and your comments. Okay, so my friend Chad, we had this idea. We did. I'm blaming it on you. Okay. Because you said a while back that you should get to interview me. Absolutely. And so today, I, I just started thinking that we've been doing this for about, I think we're about six months. I think we're about halfway through the year of doing some of these stories some I have had so much fun I wish it was my job it is like the greatest getting to talk to people that I some I didn't know very well ahead of time this has been so so much fun for me so I mean I just got done with one today that I'm so pumped about so this is like life-giving to me and so but in as we've gone and because of my great podcast boss and her marketing and the website and People are seeing snippets of my story, and I talk about pieces of it in the interviews and along the way. But if you're a stranger that maybe knew one of the guests or you're like, I don't really know this girl and don't know any of the story. And the reality is I have always thought that my love story and some of the stories are, you know, book worthy and not because I'm so great, but because the story was great and because Scott was great. So, so you're getting your wish the world's getting the wish. <laughs> the world does not care. Yeah, okay. Okay. The the three people that might actually care <laughs> are getting their wish. But so you get to talk to me and we're ro- switching roles and you're like the guest host. I know. Welcome, Chad Sipes. Well, I had a great time with it, doing the <laughs> podcast with you. So yes, this is fun for me. No one has left and said, Lauren, I hated that. Right. Most people leave and are like, oh, that was really fun. Yeah, that's fun. It's fun. <laughs> it is fun. Nope, I agree. It's basically just like hanging <laughs> out with a microphone, sometimes with coffee with me, like in a living room. So right. why wouldn't that be fun? Right, exactly. <laughs> okay. All right, Lauren. Oh, brother. So the thing that I want to start with today 
because oh. I know we're going to go into different excerpts of your life, and we want to find mm-hmm. out all the different scenarios. And oh, what, all of them. What makes up Lauren <laughs> Sterling? Okay. So for those of you that may or may not know, I have known Lauren since she was in seventh grade, mm-hmm. which that would put sophomore. You were a sophomore in high, in high school? school? Okay. I think we're four years. No, I'm four you're years so younger. much older than four me. Four years younger. That's not true. Four years older at least. How old are you? I'm 45. Yeah. I'll be 41 on Sunday. Exactly. I just turned 45 <laughs> in March, so four. Okay. Four years. Okay. So I've known Lauren for a long time, and I've known her as just an individual, and I got linked up with her husband back in 2006. And I know that date because that year, because that was the year my son was. Okay. But that's where we're going to pick up. Okay. Well, um, unless you want to talk back. about. I'll have to go back a little bit, but yeah. All right. Well, let's go back a little bit then. Okay. Well, let's talk about. I'll tell you how, when I first <laughs> listened to me run my no, show. No, you're running your own <laughs> show. What are we doing here? I'm sorry. I was thinking about this because I was trying to prepare. And mm-hmm. okay. So you're right. We got married in 2008. Yep. So. I mean, I can, we, we can, we could do dating, but I had to go back a little bit. And I remember not knowing that Scott Sterling existed. Okay. And then all of a sudden I started mm-hmm. hearing his name all the time. His dad, his, him and his dad's names. Mm-hmm. And I, I was in college. We were connected at the same church. I think when I was in college, he was leading a Bible study that my brother was in and getting to know my, my family getting to know my mom, getting to know my brother. And so we had a few passing moments. We always, I mean, I don't want to say the very first time I met him, but like really close. We always had an undeniable chemistry okay. or a banter that, that that my mom in college, he used to laugh because he was like, your mom is trying to hook me up with you, like can, like get you to break up with this guy you dated all these years. And like he was, he's 13 years older than me. Right. So I think that's another part that is valuable. Like people need to sure. kind of go, how did that happen? Right. How did this 25 year old girl marry a guy with a 14 year old kid? Right. And so it is, it is a unique story. But so my mom clearly saw something. I remember some of his closest friends, some saw it, some didn't want it. So there was a, there was a lot of talk. And so he, we, we would run into each other. I remember seeing him at a, at a football game. My, my brother played sports and he, because he was in Bible study with him and maybe, I don't know, he was just secretly wanting to be around me, but we would end up in the same places a lot. And uh, we, I watched him date a, a one girl for a long time. And mm-hmm. I dated a, the same guy for a lot of years in that time period too. So we were kind of watching each other parallel, but there was a time I came home from college. I went to watch my brother play basketball. We were in some gym and I don't even know what city we were in. This wasn't even the home school. And somehow we're the only people watching him. It's just the two of us. And we, I, I gave him a real hard time about some of the girls that he dated and was like, you are not in love with her. And he's like, you're annoying. You don't know. And I'm like, you're not starry-eyed about her. And he's like, I don't get starry-eyed. And I said, do you need a mirror? <laughs> so from the very get-go, like we were friends. We barely, we weren't even friends. I wouldn't even call that a friendship. Right. I'm coming home from college and and I knew there was something there. There was something there enough that (laughs) I was researching in college, like whether or not it's sin to marry somebody who'd been divorced. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, these are things I promise you. I, 
did not tell him some of these things until we'd been married a good solid year. Because you're like, you're kind of nuts. Like, I remember telling my best friend in college that I saw him at the end of the aisle. Like, I, there was a little bit of a foreshadowing for me. So you scared him to death. Uh, I didn't tell him any of that. <laughs> I didn't tell him, okay? I knew better. I knew better. And then, but then fast forward the next like five years of friendship, because I graduated college in 2004 and, and I probably didn't know he existed until 2002, 2003. So none of this is like a realistic, but I mean, I'm in the middle of college coming home at that time. Mm-hmm. And so, but I did have a few moments of like real clarity, researching that. I actually dated this guy, this one guy for many years, kind of back and forth. And there was a point when he was like, why, for the first time, I finally didn't want to, I wasn't the one going back. And he's like, what is your issue? And I'm like, you know what? I just, I just don't see you at the end of the aisle. And he's like, well, what do you mean? Like, and he, I think he thought I was going to like describe the per, the kind of person. I said, uh-huh. I, I think I see Scott Sterling at the end of the aisle. And you told him I, that? I used his name. Isn't that crazy? So then... Fast forward, we have all these years of friendship where, honestly, in moments, I thought he hated my guts. So I was not always that clear. But, man, I had some real moments of clarity. So then I graduated in 2004. I came home. I didn't want to come home. I wanted to, wanted God to call me somewhere cool, like San Diego or somewhere else. To be a career woman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I always called myself a uh, missionary in a business suit. Okay. I felt called to the business world. I, you know, figured out, kind of finagled a major in college that didn't bore me to tears. I wanted to be in the business world, but I didn't want to be a straight business major. So I got a psychology degree with business and sociology minors just because I I knew, I wouldn't have probably said I liked people, but I liked the research of people and how people's minds worked. You know, that kind of, and I'm I'm a student, I'm a nerd. I enjoy school. I'd go to school for free if I could. You know, my personality wants the A, literally and figuratively. I uh-huh. I like school. I'm not super smart, but I work really hard sure. and I'm really driven. So I, I'm a nerd about school. I do like yeah. the classroom a lot. God called you so, home. So he called me he home. He didn't call you away. I didn't want to. And uh, you're you're good at this. So, yeah, I came home and, and, and really didn't want to be called to my home church where my parents were either. Not because I was like looking for a singles ministry because that really kind of grossed me out. I always felt like singles ministries were a little bit like a meat market and guys just looking for a wife. And I can see why you say that. I was kind of grossed out by that. And I remember another church calling and went, inviting me to a singles thing. And I'm like, yeah, nope, not really Jones in for, for a date because I didn't really, I wasn't in my head looking for a husband, but I really didn't want to get called home to the church where my parents were. They played a tambourine. I just was like, Lord, please don't call me there. And he did very clearly. Very clearly, I knew I was supposed to be at Gateway. And then I remember we had two volunteers, Scott being one of them and, a, and a, another like famous volunteer in the city that I'm trying to get on my podcast, but has told me no so far. She will be on here one day. But anyway, they were the two volunteers of the student ministry. And in my head, I'm a young college student and I, I don't know, I'm probably self-righteous or not college student. I'm, I'm home now, but I'm young, early 20s. And I'm like, I'm, I can only hang out with high schoolers. I need to have adult conversation and middle schoolers are not my gig. And very clearly, God called me to the middle school girls at, at our church. And so I remember telling Scott, like hanging my head, walking up to him like, God told me I'm supposed to hang out with the middle school girls. And he is cracking up because yeah. he he knew. I mean, I think he already knew that that's where I was going to end up. So not immediately, but real quickly, his daughter was one of those middle school girls. Okay. And so then we're doing ministry together. 
We're both dating other people. Um, So that's what I wanted to ask. All right. So here's the deal, Lauren. So where is Scott in In the same timeline and where you were at? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know the exact years, but he dated the same same lady for for a long time, even even as we built a friendship. So we truly, truly only had uh, like many years of friendship. Sometimes hateful, like, We'd go months where we didn't even like we didn't talk. I didn't even know we were friends. But okay. but but I we watched each other date. We watched each other live out life where we weren't trying to impress each other. Okay. He wasn't trying to get me. He wasn't and trying to win me. And by I, that, and he oh wasn't no, and he wasn't threatened by that. No, I mean say? it's funny. One, there's like a confidence in your twenties that I wish like I had forever. Okay. But also, I'll I'll tell you some weird discernment moments in that. Okay. But but in the friendship part. I, I wasn't threatened by the dating scenario at all. I, I remember thinking, we have something, and you know it, buddy, and you're going to ignore it. There was a time, I think my garage door broke or something, and I remember, we, we talked on the phone a lot, because we did a lot of ministry. Right. And so, I mean, I, we, would, we would leave a student event, and he'd call me. I'd sit my phone in my lap, wait for, wait for it to ring. I knew he'd call me as soon as we drove out of the parking lot. Okay. We did a lot of talking. A lot of, uh, I mean, we were, we were beginning to be legitimately good friends. Okay. And there was a time that I saw headlights and I knew he was, he had come over unannounced and he came over and he fixed my garage door. I lived, you know, in a suburb near, nearby and mm-hmm. lived by myself and he'd show up and mow my lawn sometimes too and things like that. But anyway, he came over that night and I remember that night specifically talking about, he'd been telling people to quit bugging him about me. And he's like, I, I can't be the fairy tale for her. Like, I'm not the fairy tale for her. He'd been married and divorced. Mm-hmm. He had a kid. And that night, I remember him bringing that up. And he was always, when we were friends, he, he changed real dramatically when we started dating. But when we were friends, he was just kind of like a punk about stuff. And he's like, you're just used to everybody thinking you're it on a stick. And, and I don't think you're it on a stick. And that bothers you. And I'm like, you're a jerk. Like there was many days I'm like, we are like, you don't even care about me. See some people, some, some people would call that game. Okay. Whatever. (laughs) Call it what you want. Many, many years of game. Okay. Like we could have been married so much longer, but anyway, yes, no, he was very mouthy and I'm like, whatever. I don't really, I don't think everybody thinks I'm it on a stick, but I will tell you this. You don't get to tell people what the fairy tale is for me. And he's like, well, what's the fairy tale for you? And I said, you know what? The fairy tale for me is we can be out places, we can be separate, we can be in the same room, on the opposite sides of the room, and I have full confidence that he picked me. Fast yeah. forward, he used those words to propose, yep. okay? okay? Remembered those years for those words for years. Mm-hmm. But that day was just in my house, truly just friends. I mean, there was a few other, you know, moments of, there was times that being friends was hard because it was confusing. So then somewhere between... 2007 and 2008 or 2006 and 2007, somewhere in there, we had a whole year where neither one of us dated anybody else or almost a whole year Mm -hmm. where neither one of us dated someone else, but we weren't really dating each other. And and there's a bunch of people that are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, whatever you were dating, you just weren't calling it that. But because it appeared we were, we were really good friends and, and we, we did have this season where we, we didn't date anybody else. and, And we spent a lot of time together. I brought Logan home a lot from Bible study. You hung out at his house. I, I was at his house a lot. I didn't have cable. I lived real simply and cheap. And so we watched a lot of American Idol together back in those early American Idol days. And 
I remember going over there to watch Grey's Anatomy. I ended up becoming a football fan. I didn't really have care about the NFL back you then, have to. but I had to because yeah, we we started dating. That I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but we started dating during football season, and so I became a Cowboys fan because Tony Romo was cute, and I was watching a lot of football. So I just had to pick a team, and anyway, pick the wrong team. So whatever. I, whatever. It was just it was temporary. It was temporary. So anyway, we in that year, I did have some moments of what am I doing. I, you know, I, what am I at that point? Probably 23, 24. Okay. And I am spending an awful lot of time with this guy and his kid. And there, there'd be nights that I, he'd cook dinner. I'd do the dishes. I'd drive home in the middle of the night. I was working full time. And I mean, and we were bouncing all kinds of ideas off. I mean, I took a promotion one time or uh, switched jobs. And I mean, they called, they made the offer. I called Scott. He helped me negotiate. I called them back. We renegotiated. I called Scott. I mean, it was hilarious that we were very involved in, in our, in each other's lives, but I did have some moments of like, I'm wasting my life here. Mm -hmm. I, I just did dishes at his house. I'm acting like his wife and I'm not his wife. Right. And there was a night that I had friends that were trying to set me up with, with a guy that, and I still had a life and, and, you know, sure. hung out with other people too. But we'd, I'd hung out with this guy just socially with other people. And it was time to kind of be like, are you going to go on a date with him or not? And I remember this is old school days, you know, whatever, 2007. And I emailed the friend trying to set me up. And I just said, look, I know I'm going to sound like a crazy person, but my heart is not available. I, I can't do it. Oh, wow. And I didn't tell anybody that I did that. And I had some moments of real like, I, I'm an idiot. I'm wasting my time. Right. And I Understandably. Didn't, I didn't realize. Yeah, no, I felt like I looked stupid. And this is a lot of years of friendship that hadn't gone anywhere. I didn't remember that I was being like real honest with his sisters, but I must have, or I just was so stinking easy to read and not hiding it well at all. But one of his sisters said, you need to pick an I'm walking away date. And you need to decide if something hasn't dramatically changed by this date, you're walking away. Good wisdom. It was. And I've used this so many times with people. I actually just talked to a, a young girl about this. But, and she, she specifically, she's like, Lauren, it, I'm not talking like, oh, his hand brushed mine. She's talking dramatic change. And so that was in September. Of what year? Of 2007, seven. Because, I mean, yeah, things. Anyway, okay. I hung December 31st in my shower of that year. Okay. I, I hung it in a baggie so that I could see it every day. That this is the I'm I'm walking away day. And September, I, I started to get really confused. We we went back and forth about I know it was September because of Santa Caligon. I mean, we have this funny memory of thought we were about to break a barrier and he confused me. And it set me back. How did he confuse you? I, I'm not even gonna go there because I don't know who's gonna listen to this. But <laughs> oh, and oh, let me clarify. Nothing physical. Okay. No, 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 no. We did not act like we were dating. He no. did not kiss me until we were dating. Like, right. I just want to be really clear about no, that. Yeah, just partially because a lot of rumors were said. Sure. We got married so quickly. Yep. People said we were pregnant. People accused us gotcha. of living in sin and yada, yada. And and we did not. Fortunately, for lots of reasons. At this point, I'm 24, 25. I'm a virgin. I am like in love with my best friend. And I'm having to say that out loud to people at this point because I'm like, holy moly, I've paused my life. And I, he's been married before. Like, right. that's really scary, too, that sure. I'm like, you know, this is really interesting dynamic here. But at this point, it's not I'm scared I'm going to get pregnant or I'm scared of the consequence. At this point, it's like me and God have a deal. Like, this is this is about me and the Lord. And so I wasn't going to mess that up. You know, at, at this point, it was it was a different motive than it had been all the years prior. 
So all that to say, no, nothing physical. He just, he confused me. He changed a little bit. I, I even at one point told him, I said, look, this is earlier than this. I said, hey, um, I'm an ex- expectations person. And I don't know where I stand with you all the time. One minute, I think we're friends and I think you care about me. And then three days later, I think you hate my guts. And so I need you to pick a mood and just let me know which guy you decide to be. And I'll let you know if I want to be friends with him. And I mean, that was pivotal. Okay. Because I just was like, I cannot live this way. I want to know where I stand. I prefer brutally honest than I just never knew. And, you know, later I understood a little bit better why he acted that way. I mean, the guy had been single for 10 years, unmarried for 10 years and was raising a daughter by himself. Single dad. I I mean, I'm risky, right? Like, we'll get to that. Uh, You're marrying a single girl that's never been married before and bringing her into your teenage teenager's life. I mean, I could really have messed everything up. So that's a big, that was a big thing. It it was a responsibility. It was a big thing to get married again for him. Absolutely. Huge. Um, I just thought he was a player and and a punk. So September got kind of rattled and put the I'm walking away date in my shower. And so many crazy things. There's so many crazy things. One of the nights I was driving home, did the dishes, acting like his wife. I'm driving home. It's like 2 a.m. I know what stretch I'm in before I got to my old house. I can see myself driving. And I'm like kind of arguing with the Lord. Like, what am I doing? I'm an idiot. And God so clearly, almost audibly, I'm not asking you to trust him. I'm asking you to trust me. Okay. It shut me right up. Okay. And I quit arguing quite so much with the Lord. I did keep asking him, please, please make Scott drive this ship. I don't want to. I mean, I'm a strong personality. I I know you're shocked. And I needed him to drive the ship. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want to have to say, hey, my friends are setting me up and it's it's confusing me. My heart's not available. I didn't want to have to say, hey, I'm arguing with the Lord about this. And finally, I didn't have to. We had a, at the end of September, I know when it was because it was our friend's anniversary party, we had a pivotal moment where I thought, okay, he cares about me. Mm-hmm. And then on October 7th, that year, I always, we talk about the most not romantic way to discuss. We were at Logan's Roadhouse. You guys used to eat there a lot. All the time. Uh-huh. And we're there. It's the day before his daughter's birthday. So we were birthday shopping for her. Mm-hmm. And he, we had, we had always had real honest dialogue. I had said, I'm not, you're not safe. Because of that whole inconsistency thing. I don't know right. where I stand with you. Right. And he asked me that day at dinner, he said, he said, do you feel safe with me yet? And I was like, safer? Er. Er. And he said, he said, I quit dismissing it. I was like, okay, talk about romance. Wow, put that uh-huh. in a Hallmark card. I quit dismissing <laughs> you. And he said, basically, it's so funny because it's so, like, it's terribly unromantic. Now it's humorous, but... He just, what he was saying was, I quit dismissing the idea of you. Yeah. I no longer am, am acting like I can't be the fairy tale for you. So what do you think changed for him in that window of time between this September moment and this moment at Logan Roadhouse? Well, I have asked all these questions. Did he, so, did he ever share this yeah, with you? Yeah, we talked about some of this. Okay. Do you know some of this? A little bit, but I want to hear it from you. Well, he, about the same time that I was getting set up, mm-hmm. he was too. Mm-hmm. somebody was trying to set him up Correct. and he didn't go. This is not, he did date a girl prior to this for like six ish weeks. Yeah. That. It, it very, not very long. And that's an important part of the story too. I feel like that was right before the year or the ish, the, the year ish time yep. that we had where we didn't date anybody. She was right before that. And we had a friend who set them up and that friend 
always thought we had great chemistry and thought we, we would end mm-hmm. up together. So she said, I'm not going to set you up with this friend if you're ever going to date Lauren. And he said, I'll never date Lauren. Oh, wow. And that friend told me. Oh, wow. Yeah, I sat on her stairs right. and I cried. I didn't know that. Because, not because I thought we were about to date, okay? But because I was like, oh, I'm stupid. I'm really stupid. Like, he really has counted me out. Yeah. And so we were doing student ministry then. And I remember we were at a student event at the bowling alley. And I asked her about her. And I let him tell me about her. I let him tell me how smart and funny or whatever. I don't know that he said funny. But I let, I, and I thought... This is when I knew I loved him, okay? Not, I didn't know that I was in love with him, maybe, but I knew I loved him because I thought I was going to go to his wedding. And I knew we were really good friends, and I let him tell me all about her. Right. And I thought, we're, we, like, like, he will invite me. He went out of his way to, to introduce me to her at church. Um, she didn't like me very much. She called me the leggy brunette. But <laughs> anyway, that was when I, something changed in me. Because I thought I care about him and I love him enough that I'm gonna that I'm gonna go watch him get married. Okay. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, that like lasted thirty seconds and wasn't quite as hard to watch as I thought it was gonna be. But for a minute, man, I'm like, never. You said never. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That sucks. That'd be painful. Yeah, it was. It was very sad. So then we had the time apart, and I believe he had um, he had a dream that I got married. And, um, and it like hurt his feelings and he thought, Oh, what is that? Like I, one, he didn't remember his dreams a whole lot. So Mm -hmm. that was weird for him to wake up with a dream that then he was like, why does that bother me? And he had two friends who had not previously been on board that all of a sudden one of them was Joey. Uh We had a camp that summer it would have been August before that September before then the October that we student dated camp. student camp. We yes. went to student camp and him and Joey rode separately. Mm-hmm. And this is a funny story too. There's a good story in here too. But anyway, they drove and Joey turned to him in that drive. We were in Tennessee for many, they drove many hours and, and he said, why not Lauren? Uh-huh. And Scott was like, since when are you on board? Mm-hmm. Since when are you a pusher? And he's like, well, what's the, why not? And so on at that camp, that was another one where, again, I got to places where I was just like, look, I think you're missing out. I think not, not on me. I'm so great, but like, man, I think we have great potential and you're just not seeing it. And so I'm just going to keep being myself and I'm going to keep being who God asked me to be. And so there was a night at this camp. It was a like Southerny country kind of camp and there was a hoedown and girls were in a circle. Boys were in a circle and you rotated opposite directions. So you had a different partner. You danced around this, this hoedown and you know, with different partners as the music went on. And literally it got to he and I standing face to face. I raised my arms and the music stopped and that dance was over. Oh my. And he looked at me and he said, well, if that, if that was, if, if that ain't a sign. And I said, I said, were you looking for one? And I walked away. And for him, that was like, mic drop. This girl is trouble. She knows, she knows that something is up. Yeah. Cause it, well, if, if that ain't a sign, well, were you looking for one? Uh-huh. You needed, you needed another one, mister. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that was just a funny, like we just right. had these little moments, but then, like I said, September happened, kind of messed with my head a little bit, um, hung the, the date up in my, in my, um, shower, October 7th, he quit dismissing me. Mm-hmm. He tells me at that dinner that he, you know, is finally considering me mm-hmm. and then we're leaving and he's like, Hey, so don't start acting weird. Like he, I think he was so afraid we were going to mess up the friendship. Yeah. And it, it was risky. We had all these sure. years 
Logan at this point is involved and I love her. And so it was really funny. Like, hey, I quit dismissing you, but, but don't get weird. Okay. So October 21st, he kissed me. December 24th, he told me he loved me. And so my December 31st date, it, pivotal change had happened. Absolutely. We, we were not, we were not the same. I remember him. You do? As you go through this timeline, it was in October and I couldn't have died. I couldn't tell you the date, but there was a, a place where he was seemed to be frustrated prior to that, just in life, maybe in mm-hmm. some things, different avenues. And then I watched as I got, I didn't get the skinny on all of this. So mm-hmm. like he was for sure. Yeah. And then when he was for sure, but I could tell just when we would go to meet at lunch or whatever, he, his demeanor would change. Yeah. And it was, it was like all of a sudden he's, like let his guard down. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in probably in October when we, you know, when, when we allowed it to transition, I mean, it wasn't that big of a difference, right. but when we allowed it to really transition to we're dating, like, and, it, and it's strange. It's strange to be, he was 38 when we got married. So he's like, you know, 30, 38 when we're dating 37. And it is strange to be, I mean, I get it now because I'm, my life has changed a lot, but it is weird to be this adult person with a teenager and dating. Mm-hmm. And so to allow that and to allow me to to be in that, to, to kind of change their dynamic is, it's risky. It's weird. And then to add that we were really good friends and legitimately good friends that hadn't messed it up at that point. So then there was a point where sitting in his house and we must have been dating. I mean, October, November, I don't know, probably October. And he said, you are so confident. Like, you're not scared that we're going to mess all this up. And I said, I ended up telling him about that day in my car. And I said, you know what? No, God was so clear. I'm not asking you to trust him. I'm asking you to trust me. And I was like, if we blow this all up, I I trust God. And I did. Mm -hmm. I was so confident. I mean, maybe that's a different day, but the enemy didn't start to poke me a little bit about some things until right after we got married. Mm -hmm. But, but while we dated, I was insanely confident. And I, and I believe it was because God had been so clear that day. Here's another bizarro. Okay. I had dated that same person for lots of years that I dated in college. We dated twice, actually. We were engaged in college, and then we dated again later as adults after college. And he had lived up here, and he he had, well, he was still living here. He lived with my parents, and I lived on my own. And I, I he was a great guy, like, so fun, loved the Lord, like, really hard one for me that it just didn't fit. I kept wanting to try to make it fit. And I've never one of these people that I hear people talk about, God woke me up or he wouldn't let me sleep. And I'm always like, oh, the Lord lets me sleep. Thank goodness. I need that. You know, but there was this time we we used to meet for a Bible study only once a month. It was, I don't even know what that was called, Pinnacle or something. We did this early, like 6 a.m. on Saturday mornings, once a month, adults that had already been through flight training. We used to do that together. And so it was October 21st and I, God was waking me up at like 3 a.m. And I'm like, Lord, I'm going to be up in just a few hours. And I, so, and all I could hear was John four, John four. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll get up and read that in a few hours when I'm up again. And God would not let me sleep. John four, John four. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm scrambling, getting my Bible by the bed side of my bed. And I open it and John four is the story about the woman that you have many, you, you've had many husbands and the man that you're with right now is not your husband. And it was like, it lit up like neon lights in my bedroom. Hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. So I went back to sleep for a few hours. I remember being at Pinnacle and telling Scott that God had said something really clear to me and I was messed up about it, but I didn't want to say it out loud. Um, Actually just had a guest earlier that was talking about how until you're ready to take action, you don't want to say the things out loud. And I'm like, I couldn't say it out loud. I couldn't say it out loud. So I didn't tell anybody what God had said. 
But Scott and I were close enough that he knew. He called me a slippery pig with that guy. He's like, that guy better marry you because you're about to slip out of his fingers. Rude, okay? That's but, hilarious. Yeah, so so kind. But I, he knew that I had an unease for whatever reason with, with that guy. But he had two phones back then, and he I knew one of the phone numbers. But he called from the other phone on my work phone because he knew. He called me at work all the time, and he, and he knew that it would show up on. And so he calls from the one I didn't know, and all he said was John 4. And my hand got sweaty, and I was like, now somebody knows what God said to me. Somehow he knew. Wish we could ask him. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever asked him. Man, that's crazy. Why did, how did you know? Did I, did I allude? Did I give you all the clues or did God just really, but he called me out. And so then I had to say it out loud. And so I ended up telling that guy that I just, that I was never going to want to get married, that I just right. didn't have peace. And he moved back home and just a, just a, one of those situations, it just didn't fit because it just wasn't right. He ended up getting married pretty quickly after. I think he knew too. He just, we just had a hard time saying that. But October 21st, a year later, Scott kissed me. And then Christmas, he's in love with me. And then we got married in May. So that's why people made up rumors. But anyway. So when did you get engaged? When? When? Well, it was Easter that year, which switches March, April. I think it was March. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, but we only had like, I don't know. I think I gave my mom like nine weeks. Engagement. It was not. That means someone was, was pregnant, you idiot. Um, in this capacity. But oh, yeah, okay. It was fast. I mean. <laughs> it was quick. Here's the thing. I had been engaged to the wrong person in college. Right. I had cared about wrong things. We've thought about what dishes to register for, right? And I, all I knew is that I wanted to be so at peace that I knew it's what God wanted, that I wanted to run down the aisle and that I didn't care about anything else. And when my mom's like calling me at work about invitations, I said, mom, here's the deal. If I'm married at the end of the day, mission accomplished. I never saw her invitations until after they'd been sent. Actually, I had a great aunt that died recently and I kept it because she still had had mine. And I was like, oh, I don't even have a wedding invite to my own wedding. So I, I snagged that, I think. But I just didn't care right. about those things because I wanted to be so at peace about right things and wanted to do marriage well, mm -hmm. like more than I cared about wedding. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we did. We, we got married pretty fast. Yeah. What do you married? need to get to know each other for? You know, exactly. We got to know each other. Where did we get married? We got married at Powell Gardens. It was mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really important to him that we invited students. Yes. That we that we could invite the kids that we had done ministry with, so that people could watch mm -hmm. us be a, do what we had what we said. Yes. Li lived out what we taught, and and marriage is a big deal. I, I I really believe it's a big deal spiritually. It's really important to God. It was really important to me to do it well to. Again, this is where the whole wanting an A and competitive spirit thing is a little bit of a struggle, but I didn't want it to be like his other one. I, I wanted him to love being married too. Right. So, you know, that was, in, I don't know, in some ways it's good to, to be competitive. In some ways it's dangerous. Right. But yeah, so got married pretty quick. All right. What you were watching from kind of afar though, like, yeah. were you like surprised? Like, oh crud, he's marrying the little girl? No. Hmm. No, he was confident. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing about Scott, and it's something that I learned from him just, and, and I've, I've taken that with me ever since, is one of the things that I think Scott did in that process, you know, I think times, you know, Scott was hard to move as an individual. <laughs> like, he will sit and wait, and he was, you know, you call it patience. It's a very slow decision maker. You call maker. it patience, or you might call it stubbornness. It could be a combination of both. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that I did see that he did is he took his time when he's just when he decides to make a decision, he will go. Mm 
Mm-hmm. There was no question. And but to get him to arrive at that position, I think he used his council of people around him mm-hmm. to shore up his move. And I remember him doing that. Yeah. I remember him, whether I was on his council at that time or not, he did ask me. He's like, what are your thoughts? And I'm like, oh, no, go, you know, go. Because, again, like I said, there was a demeanor change within Mm -hmm. him. And I, you know, like he wouldn't lead on much, you know. He kept things personal and kept them quiet. And But at the same time, I mean, you could sense, you know, he'd get that smirk, Mm -hmm. you know, that he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this, mm-hmm. you know. So I was, you know, I was on board with this from the get-go. I was like, no, this works. This yeah. fits, you know. And he, from his higher counsel and mentors and things, I know from his dad, from Joey, you know, they they were very supportive of this. And felt yeah, and I know his family. I, I was young. And yeah. I, I know at first, I mean, it, they called me the the 13 year old for a while they uh-huh. joked that he was hanging out. What, what are you hanging out with the 13 year old and i'll be honest my not my mom my mom gosh my mom had weird vision of it before but my dad was like what does this older guy want with you like why are you hanging out mm-hmm. and we did hang out for a long time without it being anything so i think there was a part of my dad that's like what's what is this guy up to and i mean obviously that he changed uh, you mm-hmm. know my my dad was was uh, totally on board but at our wedding my mom had always said that at her wedding when she was about to walk down the aisle her dad said hey it's not too late if you want to change your mind I, it might her dad was giving her permission to not feel like she was stuck right because because we paid money or you know any of those regrets my dad never loved that story by the way my dad was always like thanks a lot but at my wedding then I was just like, my dad and I were just hanging out in the little bridal house and, you know, just having fun. I was hot. So we're like putting, trying to get the fan up my dress a little bit. Like we're just being kind of silly. And we start to walk down the aisle and I'm like, hey, you forgot to say. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, it's not too late. But because my dad knew that I, I didn't need the out and I was I was confident. That's That's all I really wanted was to know that it was what God said. Well, and I think too, I think, you know, I think. Keith and Linda, and I'm just speaking for them, I think they, they knew they raised, raised a woman. They didn't raise a girl. You know, they raised a confident woman. And that, I think, but had don't, to Don't act peace. like that doesn't make them doubt that I'm that I'm not a little off or that my discernment's a little bit bizarre. But, yeah. Well, yeah. Th- they would ask questions. but They would. But, I mean, I... Well, You're right. There, There is some trust in my discernment. Absolutely. And then and in, in my... When I know or mm-hmm. when, I, when I have clarity... Which was great because then there was going to be other things in the coming years where I needed that clarity or, or where he's, you know, he's dying and he's really sad. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, Hey, I would have done this again. If you had told me that this is how this I would do this again. So All all that clarity is, is really good. And I mean, it helped me be confident as we were walking out dating. Cause like I said, it, it was a risk. I understand differently now being single and having kids that gosh, if you bring someone into your mix, he can really mess things up. Sure. And he'd been raising this little girl by himself Mm -hmm. where I could have messed that up. I could have been really selfish. And in in moments I was, I was 25 with a 14 year old. Mm -hmm. And in moments I wanted to just get to be newlyweds. And, and it was hard to have to figure out how to balance that. Mm -hmm. And, it's like it hadn't even dawned on me until we'd been married already, until we got married already, that he'd been married before. 
right. it's like the enemy let me let me float, let me drift for just a bit. And as soon as we got married, he was on the front porch to go, hey, this should bother you. Hey, hey. And it and it did. It, I, I really had to sure. work through not being a selfish 20-something with a teenager who being now a has a chick that moved in, at, yeah. you know, and... Yeah, there was some real interesting pieces to that. And he was not a thinker, a header, planner, a header when it came to... Now, church ministry, he was a visionary. He could see things out. But when it came to personal things, he was not looking ahead to go, hey, this could be interesting. Hey, this could be interesting for Logan. Maybe we should talk about this. I found this on the web. Oh, sorry, Siri. So he wasn't doing that. And then I was then having to go, hey, maybe this is a conversation we should have with Logan. Hey, so, you know, some different dynamics of it's just been the two of you. And now there's a woman in the house and, you know, wanting to be the wife and the and the priority. And when there's already a teenager there, that's the priority. Right. She was the priority. And right. I get that so differently now. Sure. I have understood 38-year-old Scott so much better as a 38-year-old widow than I could have back then. How did you navigate, in essence, co-parenting with Logan? You mean like as, as her parent? Uh-huh. Like all of a sudden I'm the parent? Uh-huh. Well, Logan and I had a really good relationship up to that point, which is a huge just gift and and the Lord was building a foundation that then when it was stormy, it didn't, it didn't blow us. It didn't pull the tree up. It, it, we had some, we had some roots, but I'm trying to remember as far as parenting, I mean, Logan was a good kid. You weren't having to scold her. No, I was just having to, even before we got married, I remember there was some seasons that were difficult with her mom or, you know, things where it, Instead of going, hey, yeah, fine, just hang out with us and, and be with us 100% of the time and let's just forget her. We don't we don't want to deal with your mom. No, that one, that's not true. That's not how we felt. But two, it, that's not what was best for Logan. Right. And so regardless of how great I thought I was or what I brought to the table, I think the Lord helped me be prepared somehow supernaturally because I was too young. I did not come from a divorced family. Somehow I knew Logan's mom was best for Logan, no matter what. And I could be bonus, I could be extra, but that there is always something inside of you that wants your mom or your dad. And so I never tried to make her replace me with her mom or call me her mom or we just, that was her mom. Right. It was important for her to, you know, maintain that relationship. And and she wanted that. And, And so... Somehow, for the most part, I don't know, gosh, maybe you should ask Logan, but I don't think I made her feel like I was competing for that or trying to be bossy. Scott was a really, really present dad, and his work life wasn't nearly as busy back then. So we just did a lot of things together. And if it came to parenting her, I mean, he, he did that. He did. I'm trying to think if there was, I mean, I, I just, she, she was a really good kid. It wasn't, it wasn't hard. Right. We did a lot of things together. I mean, if, she, if I, I guess if she was going to do something really stupid, I was going to talk to her about it. But for, in a lot of ways she came to me with a lot of the hard things too. And sure. I always was asking the Lord how to parent her back then. It felt like Logan and I were really different and I was learning a lot about how to navigate a person so different than me she isn't as direct 
and I didn't want to shut her down. I could, if I just spoke directly at her hard, it she just collapsed and shut down. I would say now, this many years later, Logan and I have morphed into more similar, and mm-hmm. so we've we've kind of probably both inched towards the middle and and are a little bit. I, I'm not maybe not quite as harsh, and right. she's way more direct and assertive than she used to be. So we've kind of morphed into more alike. But back then, I I just knew I couldn't shut her down. That if I hurt her, I hurt Scott, and I really didn't want that. Right. And so I think, I don't know, for the most part, the Lord helped me with that. I remember asking him, show me how to how to love her. Show me how to do this. I don't know how to do this. Do you think, let me back up just a little bit, Orrin. Do you think, how, what was Logan's position in you all dating, you and Scott's dating, and what? how did that look? And Well, we were, you know, that, that especially that year where we were spending so much time together, I think at one point he asked her, you know, well, hey, what do you think about me dating Lauren? And she's like, I thought you already were. Okay. Which was a little bit everybody's stance. Like, what do you mean that you aren't right. dating until now? But so I think that made him feel pretty good. She knew that he bought a ring before when no one else knew. Okay. So he included her, which was super valuable. Absolutely. And then I remember, again, I even more so as a mom, I see out ahead differently. And so I remember I wrote her a letter before we got married and was like, you know, hey, I know your dad and I are about to get married, but in a weird way, you and I are going to get married too. And I think, I, I don't know what else I said. I don't even know if she ever kept that. But I, I I just remember being like, hey, we need to think through too that this isn't just about me and your dad. This is about you and I too. And all of us too. And same thing when we found out we were pregnant with a girl with Lainey, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, this could this could jack with Logan's head a little bit. She's been the girl, the the baby girl in his life right. for all these years. And so I remember taking her for a drive. And I actually think she was probably driving because uh, she had her permit. And I was teaching her how to drive. And I'm like, you know, hey, is this messing with you? Because you know that nobody can ever compete with what you and your dad had all this time. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Nobody will ever replace that. You, you'll always have that time that was just you and him. Sure. And, so I, I think for the most part, she didn't know what she was getting into, but I, she I, think, was on the, board. I think she was on board. Okay. So we're married. Mm-hmm. Learn how to be married. What was the next big life change? You touched on it just a second ago, but. Well, when we, uh, we got engaged in Guatemala, I didn't know that we were going to be getting engaged on this trip. We had friends that were adopting there uh-huh. and we went to visit. Yeah. Happened to be Easter weekend. And so, yeah, so that was unexpected to me. Yes. I, I had had some moments of like, dude, I'm not going to date you for four years. Like, right. well, we're, we're not doing this. We're, we're too old for this. And okay. so, but I hadn't pushed it for sure because I just was like, I, again, I wanted him to drive. I, I did not want sure. to drive. So I didn't know he carried a ring around um, all <laughs> in a foreign country for days. So we get engaged. We're on the flight home. And he's like, hey, can we just be married like a year? before we have a baby. So I think for him, he's like, he's 38 years old when we got married and was like, look, I don't want to be 60 when my kids graduate high school, but I also don't, want to just like get married and have a baby. Right. And, I, and so I just laughed because I was young. I I didn't necessarily care or know better. But he knew that was um, your heart's desire. Well, no, we... You wanted to... I mean, yeah, we... I don't know that we ever talked about that either. That was another thing, just backing up a little bit. That was another part of being an older older person and I had never been married. I think prior he believed he wasn't going to have any more kids, did not want to have any more kids. And so he wasn't going to want to take that away from me either. Right. And interesting, I think that there had been some discussion about, you know, I'm so much older than her. You know, what happens if I die and, and leave her? 
And I remember being like, what happens if I go stand in the street and get hit by a bus tomorrow? We can't live like that. We cannot live like that. Right. So I just didn't live in the same fears and anxiety, which was great balance for somebody who really had lived with a lot of fear and anxiety. Sure. For I, I was a lot more practical. I'm not saying I don't ever feel anxious and I don't ever get impractical. Right. Definitely not saying that. But I was able to go, all right, well, let's just process through this. You're right. You could die before me, but I could also die before you. Or you could not want to marry me because I, I, I want to have kids and then I might not be able to. You know, things like that, that it was like, what's God saying? What if we're missing out on something really great here? Right. And I didn't say it quite like that, but that's where it was going. And, and God was leading that way too. So, so anyway, yeah, he just didn't want to, you know, get pregnant immediately, which was hilarious. So we didn't, but we were, we were pregnant on our first anniversary. So I was pregnant with Lainey on our first anniversary. Okay. Yeah. Like I think barely. I remember this. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Barely. Like people didn't really know, but I was sleeping all the time and so, yeah. And so then Lainey was born in January of 2010. Mm-hmm. And Logan was 16. And so we had a kid. We were buying a car and a crib at the same time. Hilarious. So um, yep. I remember, I mean, you like throw out all the like rules at the time, like a schedule and a sleep schedule. And I'm like at basketball games at the high school that Logan's playing in with a newborn. With a newborn. Uh, like in my yeah. lap asleep. So, and <laughs> Scott was notorious. He, you know, he worked during the day. I actually went back to work too at that time. I mean, I was working a lot too and he wanted to hold the babies at night. And so I just had to kind of throw out all the whole like sleep training. Kids should sleep by themselves kind of thing. Cause yeah. we, I, it mattered to me that they weren't in our bed. Okay. Like I didn't want my kids in our bed, but he held our babies to go to sleep every, almost every night. And it, that was important to him. Yes. And then we, you know, transferred them to their bed. And for the most part, they slept really well. And yeah. so that was kind of one of those. He was the baby whisperer. He yeah. loved babies yeah. and loved our babies a whole lot. So, Absolutely. yeah. So had Lainey, I would say a year later, we're already discussing, maybe a year and a half, we're already discussing these five kids in Peru. Okay. So, yeah. So I have like a teenager and a one-year-old-ish. I think she was like 18 months when I went to Guatemala. And that was the beginning of, you know, kind of a wreckage that was happening in my in my faith journey. So I don't know if we're ready to go there or not. But So you went to Guatemala. You went to Guatemala to get engaged. Yeah. And then you went back. Yeah, so, okay. Um, this is important. I think this is going to be... This is well, Guatemala pre- was pivotal. It's not where preface, my kids are from, but right. it, it is pivotal. Preface to some other things. It is. I... You know, you have a baby, and then they're then they're crawling, mm-hmm. and you are fearing things that I had just hadn't feared before. Um, is my kid gonna fall down the stairs, or are they gonna, you know, um, die in their sleep in their crib? Are is is she gonna be in the driveway when Logan pulls in? Mm-hmm. Um, all the crazy, terrible imagination things that happen to a mom, where you play out the worst of scenarios in in living color. And fear things were happening to me. I was I was scared of things I had never really I'd never been scared of. And I'd always been not I I'm not confident or not arrogant and not like confident in my like I never thought I was the prettiest girl in the room or anything like that. But I always knew who God asked me to be. Yeah. Always. And and it got me in trouble sometimes because it looked overly confident. It made people confused or intimidated. I always got told that I was scary and 
I still get told that, but, but it was, I always knew who God asked me to be right. and, and was willing to be that. And in this season, I was like really scared and really fearful of things that I was like, what is happening to my faith? I didn't like it. Right. I didn't recognize myself and was just like, what is happening? And so I, honestly, I don't know why I read this book, but somebody or somehow I ended up reading this book called Reckless Faith. I think her name is like Beck, Beth Guckenberg or okay. something like that. I might be butchering it. And I read this book that literally like systematically was was wrecking my faith somehow. I don't even know, one, I don't know if I own the book still, but I don't even know if I read it today if it would have the same impact or if it was just God was beginning to radically do something. But in that time, there was just this moment of like, I have got to do something bigger than me. Like, and, and I had a friend who I'd gone to college with that I'd always just had a real love and affection for that lived in Guatemala, had married a Guatemalan, and they lived in this orphanage. And I thought, I'm just going to go visit her for a week, Scott, let me go alone. I think he knew I was like maybe going to go crazy. And Lainey had to have been like 18 months old. And and even even thought of leaving her there or even like leaving her with Scott, the baby whisperer. I still thought, oh, gosh, he's not going to take care of her. And I remember God tapping me on the shoulder one time and going, hey, excuse me. I breathe life into her, not you. I was like, OK, you're right. You're right. I mean, yeah. he was having to put me in my place because I was living in such a. Fear then made you take control. Sure. And really, it's all facade. You don't have control. But so he let me go visit her. And I thought, I just might be going and having coffee with Sarah every day. I don't know. I don't I don't know what the purpose. I'm going to go love on her. I'm going to encourage her. I'm going to, you know, get a little bit of fresh perspective. And I got there. And I think I had coffee with her once. And they had some kind of emergency or, or a loss of staff in the baby house. And I spent the rest of the week in the baby house with kids the same age as my baby, 18-month-olds all over the place, um, a lot of them with burns, a lot mm-hmm. of them with um, hard, hard stories. And I simultaneously had been reading this book that was messing with me. And then my experience there, so many things. Again, I'm alone. It was kind of the coolest, like, mission trip to have to – process by myself I got a like pay for the minutes kind of phone and I was able to call Scott every night and we just like downloaded everything I was thinking and and learning and it was this crazy way to do it together Mm. but not together I remember there was a sibling group of five that um the older brother super cute kid would come down and visit his baby brother in the baby house and I was down there feeding kids and hanging out with kids all day and this older brother would come and I remember watching this there was five of them and in Guatemala at the time, I, I think it's still the same, they, they were shutting down adoptions to Americans. Right. And so I'm in this giant facility of all these kids that aren't going to get adopted, likely. They're going to grow up here and age out in ways that, I mean, Casa Bernabe is working their tails off to do a good job of preparing those kids to, to, to move on. But it wasn't going to be because they were adopted by Americans anymore. And I just remember that really radically having an impact on me. Um, mm-hmm. I remember one night walking up to go to dinner. It was like I was done for the day and I was walking up and, and one of the missionaries or one of the Americans pulled me into this house of teenagers and I was tired. I was hungry. I had not eaten all day. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. You know, and I get pulled into this house and I'm watching them receive their sponsor letters from the people in the States that mm-hmm. sponsored them. Okay. And you would have thought Christmas was happening. They were grabbing their envelopes and holding them to their chest and like savoring Mm. them. 
and putting their pictures of their sponsors in their bunk beds and looking at the gifts and the letters that these people had written them, that these were people that really loved them. And I would have told you that, like, this didn't really matter, that that sponsorship and writing these kids, I, I would not have known how truly impactful that was. And that was a shift for me. So, I mean, there was all these things happening that I couldn't have told you what God was doing right. until I got home. No idea on the timing of this. I could probably figure it out. But I got home and we got an email sent to a handful of people in our church. And it was five individual snapshots. And the subject line was, we need a mommy and daddy. And it was five pictures of my Peruvians, individual pictures of my five Peruvians. And I just had been, I don't, this is making me emotional. I had just been wrecked enough perfectly that it was like I was perfectly available to go, hmm, what if that's me? Mm-hmm. Just, just enough to not dismiss it and not, I don't know, not ignore it. And so there, 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 that's a whole different window. And maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's part two, but that's episode two. So yeah, I want to talk about that. Yeah. So that's the beginning. A little bit of the beginning of the Scott and Lauren story. Talk about a little bit of you're married and mm-hmm. talk about you were already doing some ministry already prior to that. Actually, probably a lot of ministry. Mm-hmm. But what was, what was Scott's role at Gateway at that time? One, okay. two, talk about your, your role at that time as okay. Scott's spouse. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, okay. So our church was started by who was my youth minister and mine. And, and I mean, someone really important to us. I would have, I've said this before on here. He is in the top five, maybe, maybe the number one spot of people who have, you know, poured into my life and, and disciple taught me about discipleship and walking it out with the Lord championed me in leadership. Yes. I mean, holy cow gave me insane amounts of opportunities, enjoyed me. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So he started this church. Well, Scott was a part of the beginning of that. Yes. I mean, they were, Scott had a fitness equipment manufacturing business and they were working out and dreaming up what church could be, how how church could be different, um, how they wanted to do church in the community differently. And so they dreamt that up together. So, I mean, when I, I knew of Scott at our church before, but like in my head, we were always in ministry. Like I said, I felt called to be a missionary in a business suit. I, I never I never felt like you're only in ministry if you get paid for it. I mm-hmm. always felt like I had a calling on my life. And and I do feel like I, I have a calling on my life. Uh, I just didn't ever feel like it was going to be vocational ministry for mm-hmm. me. And, and it wasn't for him at the time either. It was him. Mean, he was doing a lot of ministry. He was a trustee, a founding trustee. And so that's a really big, you know, leadership responsibility mm-hmm. Um, I would venture to say it felt more fun back then, but like, yeah, they, he, he was doing a lot of, of ministry that way. We did premarital counseling one time. We went, we went and met with Joey one time. I think me and I did the same thing. And I remember <laughs> it made my stomach hurt. It made me want to throw up because we didn't talk about much about actually being married. I mean, it was like, Joey was kind of like, yep, stamp of approval done. But then he talked about what I was going to do when Scott was a pastor. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, barf. Yeah. Uh-uh. Like, on purpose, did not try to date Redford majors at SBU because exactly. I did not want to be married to a pastor. Like, no. So I remember leaving that night and like wanting to throw up. Mm-hmm. And and Scott was so good about, we just talked about things like, look, Lauren, what's different? What's different about what I'm doing now? And, and he's like, I'm never going to be a pastor. 
Like, don't worry about that. But like, Lauren, we're doing ministry now. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, you know, that was just our one night and I was able to put that away and we got married 30 minutes later. Not really. And, you know, and then I don't know how long we were married before he ended up, I could figure it out, but not super long. We weren't married super long before, well, we were in our adoption process yeah. when he ended up coming on staff. Yes. And I will, you know, being honest about how we're not supposed to get there yet, the adoption stuff, but there was definitely people that were worried about how young married we were beginning that process and him coming into ministry mm-hmm. in a paid capacity. At that point, I had adopted our mentality, from, his mentality from before. It's no different. Paid or not, we, we were in ministry. Right. We were in ministry. There is a level of scrutiny that comes when you get a paycheck. Sure. There is a level of people thinking they can say things to you Absolutely. when there's a paycheck. I would have happily given that paycheck back to not have had to had some of the hurt feelings and awful things said to us. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is it is what it is. That's just American church. That isn't that doesn't really have anything to do with the mm-hmm. calling. Scott was in ministry all the time every day. Mm-hmm. He was in ministry when he was on a work site talking to people. That was evident at his funeral, the amount of people who came from vendors and competitors for sure because he was doing ministry everywhere he went absolutely in a really subtle not abrasive storyteller way right god used his divorce the the reasons and some of the hurts in that divorce and his anxiety more than anything ever right I, i watched god use those things over and over i watched him walk people through their divorce i watched him help reconcile marriages Instead of divorce, mm-hmm. I watched him walk people through anxiety. Lots of different pieces, men and women, not exactly the same scenarios, but God used those things in ministry more and more and more, sometimes in our home, sometimes in the church office, sometimes in a parking lot on a commercial job site. Right. So once I understood or and wasn't scared of whatever vocational ministry um, and just w- reminded myself that we right. were, we were doing ministry all the time anyway. Absolutely. Then it, then it wasn't so scary. So if you could look back, Lauren, and if you could pick one highlight from the point of being married mm-hmm. or even like we, I'll even give you t- from the engagement mm-hmm. up to pre-adoption of this window of time, a highlight, your highlight, what would be your one highlight that you go I will forever recall that. I hope I forever recall lots of things. I know. I, you know. It's something that just sticks with you. And it may not be a specific thing. It might be a season. I really like the vivid memories of that, like, dating to, to early married time. The vivid hearing from the Lord, watching him change. I never again doubted how he felt about me really not the enemy still jacks with you as a girl okay and still makes you be like are you sure but but he didn't let me be out on a limb he wasn't inconsistent and a pain in the rear like he'd been when we were friends sure and there's just this like vivid I don't know how to explain it like I feel like I'm in a uh, like in a when the when when it went from black and white to color tv okay in that season I like that where I could like hear the Lord and I watched us change and I watched him change and I knew where he stood and I knew he liked me, which I'm super grateful for. Cause, cause then 15 years later, I still remember that he liked me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, no, I find your, your, your story 
which I, I think is an example of, I think, in all honesty, what God God designs. He designs a foundational friendship. You know, a lot of relationships these days go off of it's emotional. Mm-hmm. It's 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 all feeling, and there's no ground. Well, and we had that that. So you know, what if what if what what if early twenties? I'm home from college. We had this weird chemistry. You know, excuse me. Where what what if we'd just gotten married then? We probably could have, and we would have sort of liked each other. There was a lot of spark. Right. But gosh, if everybody could be friends, yeah. if everybody could hang out and not be trying to impress each other, I I thought right. he would never date me. He said never. Yeah. He said it. Right. So there was no front. There was no pretending to be something else. No, it was there, raw. I, it, I was very myself. Yeah. And so there was a huge gift in that because then when he liked me, he really liked me. Yeah. yeah there was a lot of freedom. I wasn't pretending that. to be something else, you know. You know, because I think there's a lot of young women that, you know, <clears throat> and even men as well, get into a situation where, you know, everything is so emotional mm-hmm. and there's, and, and, and you miss it. You miss it from a marriage from a, from a marriage standpoint. You miss the idea of, hey, when all those other highs and those emotions start running lower, or they're not the same as they were on the front end. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do now? What do you do now? Yeah. And you know, because then you have to rely back on your friendship. Yeah. Your friendship is what's grounded, you know. I mean, I can see that with my own wife, you know. I'm like, you know, there was a time when you would, you know, even myself, I would have expectations of having a marriage of like, oh, it's always going to be, you know, on this high mountain and everything. And, and so those expectations start getting put on one another. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is you become walk away frustrated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I have learned in my marriage after 21 years is... I'm good with her being my friend. Mm -hmm. You know, I love her dearly. I am in love with that woman, but there is no, I like just being friends. Right. I'm, I'm like, I'm content with that. And I saw that between you and Scott. Yeah. You, he was content with your friendship and for him to go, yes, I want to marry this woman because I know that I have a friend within the woman I'm in love with. And that's huge. That's yeah. Huge. He always said that your feelings lie to you. Yes. And and that's true. Your feelings can lie. You know, you can you can choose out of insecurity. And fortunately, I had I, I just didn't struggle with wanting somebody so bad that I that I would settle or I just didn't I was okay to be alone or gosh, I was okay to watch him potentially, you know, yeah. marry someone else. And so that that was I knew who God had asked me to be and was comfortable being that if it meant I was single. And I think that that actually was attractive. And he was obviously comfortable not getting married because he, I mean, maybe, maybe because of fear, but he, he wasn't out just trying to marry anybody either. Right. And so, yeah, no, we, we truly were truly good friends Mm -hmm. that I'm super grateful for over all those years because we talked a lot. I yeah. mean, we, we talked on the phone. We, uh, he'd call me between job sites. He'd show up at my job and we were on the phone talking and then we lived in the same place, you know? And so then, then we're talking some more and I'm super grateful for that yeah. because then obviously, you know, fast forward and you walk through 
hard things. And if you, gosh, can you imagine having to walk through that and you don't like them? Right. So, but you know, and part of the reason, part of the reason I wanted to prompt this for us to sit down and I want people to hear your story is I want, if, if they walk away with nothing else, I want them to walk away that what is required to make something healthy in such a jacked up and messed up culture that we're in, mm-hmm. what, what is the requirement? And I believe you and Scott had the requirements down as far as what does it take to make something go and be effective? You know, number one, first and foremost, we have to have a relationship with Christ mm-hmm. in order to make this happen. Two, we have to be individual in our own identity to make this fly. Yeah. I'm all me without him. Exactly. And yeah. it was There not, is no you complete me, nope. Jerry Maguire. Exactly. And Scott was the same way. He was all him without you. Yep. But the, that's what makes this such a good story. That's what makes this such a testimony is you could see it and you guys could sit across from a room from each other and be doing two totally different things and know where you stand with the other person. Yeah. And that was huge. You know, so many times you see relationships where they can't get their person out of their sight or that mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're not, you, you're jealous of them or anything like that. It's just, you can go run a room or you can go handle situations and know that the other one's in the room and there's nothing, there's no deviation. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's good. I hope that it does. No, you know, it does. Teach something does. good that there's, it can be used for it, good. It can be. It can be because it's a it's a neat story, and it's unfortunately I think it's kind of unique, mm. you know, from a standpoint of you know where what we believe in these these times and these days. Yeah. And so I you know I want people to hear this. There's more to come. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. If you have or know someone with an inspiring story, you can apply to be a guest at OrdinaryGrit.com. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram at OrdinaryGritPodcast to get to know me and my guests.